2: offside with andrew gunling and jj davani
1: oh yes caught offside just outside of new york city and from an apartment in brooklyn new york andrew gunling and jj davani part two of the premier league season preview on caught offside what's up brother
3: um I had a bit of a week there about two minutes ago I saw the most lovely thing in the world and it's, it's football related. So I was just scrolling through Twitter, um, just waiting to start the podcast and Everton put up a video, Andrew. And so it it's an interview with a member of staff. It's very short. And he's talking about how there's a grass bank, their training park in Finch farm. And as you would have at the site of the, of one of the pitches and they wanted to do something with it. So they, they planted flowers there in, to make, to create the power that is the Everton crest out in the flowers. Very nice idea. And then these small red poppies started popping up in it. And the guy said, well, obviously we couldn't have that. So we started picking the poppies out. You can't have red no. in the blue of Everton. And then he stopped and he said, and then we decided, wouldn't it be nice? Or he didn't even say, would it be nice? He just said, you know what? We decided that we'd leave 97 of them to represent the 97 Liverpool fans who died at Hillsborough. Uh-huh. And I just lost it. I thought what an unbelievably thoughtful and beautiful thing to do. And he, and and the care he says more than 97 will grow, but we pick them all out till we get to the 97 number. Oh my God.
1: <laughs> that is so nice. And so refreshing.
3: <laughs> it's so beautiful. Yeah. Uh, it's gore, it's it's you know there's people out there and they're um i don't know their their hearts are in the right place and they think about the right things and and to have that level of thought hey instead of just plucking all these out we can do something nice with this yeah. it sent me um, everton thanks to everton for putting that out on their twitter
1: that um, is that's awesome. That is, <laughs> that's is. awesome. Honestly, it's awesome. It's a beautiful way to set the tone for this pod. We were going to get to it later, but if if we're doing good feeling stuff right out of the gate, then we should say uh, the leader of the animals, Newman. So he sends me a DM today saying, yeah. sorry, I only just got the Reddit thread going with Premier League questions. I hope you'll excuse it. I hope you'll excuse my lateness. And then after that, he sends a picture of him and his wife in the hospital with their newborn son. they just had a baby. Congratulations. It's amazing. Luca. Now he told me in his message, because you know, Newman is a diehard Spurs fan. um, He said in his message that, that the name is Tottenham related, that it seems like it's, there's a Luca Modric tie-in.
3: Wow. Yeah. And, and uh, the picture is beautiful. They're both um, his uh, partner, wife, girlfriend, whatever glowing. Uh, He's there smiling on his head off in his Tottenham jersey, and the baby is there doing what babies do, looking like a crinkly old man. Yeah, uh, it's 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 so lovely. It's so lovely. But um, I I won't. I'm going to be. I'm going to take the tone down a bit. I'm going to be Roy Keane about this. Newman, when it comes to the animals, it's your job. Do your job. You <laughs> and he about did, babies. but he did. He did. Oh, he's he great. did. Eventually, he's
1: get. He still put it up. It just wasn't as early, I guess, as he thought we would have wanted it to be <laughs> but like I, my I, god so, his wife was having a baby
3: i'm so happy for him yeah uh yeah. It's, it's it's fantastic
1: what a night what a what a lovely evening it is to be gathered here talking about just beautiful things in the world and then diving into part two of our Premier League season preview uh, uh this is you know i love our part one with our 10 questions but i have seen the questions obviously that you have all submitted, yeah. And I gotta say, I think you guys are better at this than we are. You have submitted phenomenal questions. I'm so excited to go through these; they're great. Before we do, uh, there are two things I wanted to mention as sort of, a, a, I guess, a epilogue to our part one. The first, I'm so glad I got called yes. out, called out on this. I, I don't have the tweet in front of me. I, I should cre- I should give credit to who it was. But when I went through the last decade of Premier League title races to see when we had them and when we didn't inexplicably, yeah. I, I I skipped 2018, 19, which was arguably one of the most incredible title races, the Liverpool oh, what a, city. What
3: a, what a what a great season that was. Yeah.
1: So I, I, I don't know why I missed that one, but I'm so glad I got called out on it so I could write that wrong right at the start of this podcast tonight. So my point was the season remain... where
3: city got 120 points and Liverpool got 119, something like that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Um, so the point still remains we're we're still it's still the minority of seasons over the last decade but you can of add course. that one you can add that one to the list as another season uh where we did have a title raise in the last 10 years. So uh so I'm glad I got called out on that so I could correct that. And then the one other thing I wanted to correct from yesterday's pod where uh we spoke JJ about West Ham inactivity in the transfer market and then I wake up today and they've <laughs> they've exploded to life. Now I don't know if all these moves necessarily Oh, God, uh, are considered to be great moves that change the way of thinking about how their window is gone. But one of them certainly does for me, at least uh, it appears. I don't know what's official yet and what's not, but it appears that West Ham have signed James Ward Prowse, whom I love and think that that is a great signing. Mm-hmm. And they've also signed Harry Maguire, who I would say I. I'm probably a little cool, a little cooler on that move. I can't believe United. What did they get? Uh, the, the, it's supposedly around 30 million, I think. Yes. I Look, I know United paid an unbelievable amount for him, over 80, um, so they might look at that as pocket change if that got back in return. But, I mean, for a guy who wasn't playing, who has no future with that club, who has no confidence at that club, if they got $30 million out of somebody for a player like that, props to them. I know it's a huge loss on the investment, but still. And um, I don't know, I don't really know what West Ham are hoping with that, with a move
3: like that. Uh, I'm not sure about I'm not sure about this. And McTominay, um, is he confirmed? I hadn't seen that one. No, I I think there's an attempt there to get him, but Hakata wants to go to City.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, um, I don't. know. If you're West Ham, you can't be excited about that.
3: So, uh, so Luke, my the resident West Ham fan in my life. Well, I've got a few actually in my family, but he's the one um, that's in my friend zone.
1: Um, why am I making this sentence so <laughs> awkward? He's a friend of mine. Jesus. Um, Luke, he's, he just can't get out of the friend zone with you. It was a long <laughs> struggle for him.
3: Luke, uh, Luke said this. This is truly shocking. Uh, we were the oldest club in the league last year, so we've sold a 23-year-old striker, a 24-year-old central defensive midfielder, for a 30-year-old backup centre-back and a 28-year-old relegated midfielder. McItaugh wants to go to City now. I have to admit... I saw the Pakistan news at like 3 a.m. last night. I didn't go back to sleep. I'm distraught. Oh, oh, oh.
1: Now look, I don't, I don't like the way he's positioning the Ward Prowse signing. A 28 year old relegated midfielder. Come on, we all know that he's better know, than that. That's not yeah, right. He's got a very specific skill set. He's good um, at a lot of things, and he's elite at one of them. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I just,
3: I don't know if he's a transformational signing here for West Ham. Um.
1: Well, I'll say it, it it would be crippling to them if they lose Declan Rice and, and Pakata in the same window. That that would really hurt. And Skamaka.
3: I know he hasn't. Yeah, although old, he but... wasn't.
1: I mean, it was a big signing, but he didn't really play well for them.
3: I know. You're listening to West Ham Radio here on Thought Offside. Um, so, yeah, there we go.
1: You want to dive into the mailbag? So, yeah, yeah. I wanted to get those two things out of the way because um, I thought they were important. Um, and again, congratulations to Newman, the leader of the animals uh his wife and their new newborn son Luca. Luca Newman. Cool name. Solid. Luca name. Newman, Strong. yeah. Luca Newman. Uh Tonight yeah, let, lead us the in. Grammys.
3: It's Luca Newman.
1: <laughs> lead us into the to this mailbag that we've got here.
3: Um thank you so much uh for all your contributions. I've tried to mix it up a bit. It's more Instagram heavy than it has been in a few years because in fairness, there's a lot of interaction on Instagram that goes missing. Um so I wanted to lean on that a little bit. Um but it's not exclusive. Uh, those of you on Reddit and via email are also included. And uh, here we go. We start with Solivio, nineteen oh three. What are Andrew's true and honest thoughts for Spurs' upcoming season?
1: My true and honest thoughts. I'd like to think that whenever I deliver thoughts on Tottenham, they are true and honest. I bet he wants. I um, think he
3: wants your your gut, your raw.
1: My gut is feeling. that we are we are looking at a transition season. Um. I think what I have no expectation for top four, if they can remain in some sort of top four race, you know, into early spring, like March or something like that, I think I would take that honestly. Um, I think that they could contend for a Europa league place. And I mean, generally speaking, I'm fine with all of this. I, I, I think of it the way that I think of early potch and, his first season with the club, remember it's funny to remember it now, but in the 2013-14 season, which is viewed as a disaster for Tottenham, that was AVB fired and then Tim Sherwood to finish it out, they finished with 69 points and they and they were sixth in the league. The next year, obviously they got rid of Sherwood and then they brought in Pachettino. They actually finished they finished fifth, but with five fewer points than the year before. They finished with 64 points, so you could look at it... I mean, statistically, it might have been a worse season. However, any Tottenham fan that watched that season came away from it thinking, yes, there's like I I see the plan here. I see what this manager wants to do. Uh, I see some young stars beginning to emerge. And I think even though they only finished with 64 points and they were outside of the top four, everyone felt good about the direction of the club. I think that if you're being an optimistic Spurs fan... I think that that is really what you would be hoping for this season. I think if you're a Tottenham fan who says I want to be a part of the top four race, I'm no, I don't see. I just don't see a reality where that's going to be the case for them. I think there's going to be, I think there's going to be some real growing pains because they've spent the last what four seasons in Mourinho and Conte systems that are so pragmatic and so defensive minded and so based yes. in counterattacking principles and you know it's just been so hard to watch and Ange he's come in and he's thrown all of that away and he's talked about how he's trying to be they're, he's they're re, he's reteaching them you know elements of how to play this game because they've been so drilled in doing things a certain way um I was listening to um, a podcast, The Extra Inch, which is a great Tottenham podcast, and they were talking about how Ange was furious with pierre Emile Hojbjerg in one of their recent friendlies because the ball came to him and, and he's, I forget exactly how far out he was, but he kind of smashed one towards the goal, over the bar, out of play, and Ange was furious because he wants him to play football. He wants him. He he was mad at Holy Beer because he wants him to pa- make the pass. You know, I, he said, "I won't be mad at you if you try to make a difficult pass and it doesn't work. At least you're trying to do what I what I'm trying to instill in this squad." Rather oh than yeah. Just, so like that's that's how it's going to be. But with that, they're going to score goals. I think they're going to be fun to watch. But they are going to concede. They're going to concede yes. an awful lot of goals. They're going to lose a lot of games in really frustrating fashion. And I think that's, I think that's kind of what they're headed for. You know, uh, so. Yeah. Tottenham fans, I think are going to have to try to park their frustrations a little bit and be understanding of the fact that this is, like I said, at the start of this, this is a transition season. There's, you know, Benton is going to be out the first two months. The idea of him, uh, Madison and Basuma in a midfield. I'm excited to see it. It's hard to judge any of this because we, I mean, obviously the big domino here is Kane. Like without knowing what his future is like with him. Yeah. They could contend for a Europa League spot without him. They're somewhere between, I think, maybe 8th to 10th, somewhere in that window. I mean, he scored 43% of their goals last year. Like, he's one of the best players in their history. So that's kind of where I'm at. My X factors for them, things that I'd like to see on the field, you know, personnel-wise, Christian Romero was really disappointing last season. I thought Tottenham had themselves a a true world-class defensive player, center back. I still think he is, but he had a bad year. Uh, I don't know how much of that was everything with Argentina winning the World Cup, so... I'd like to see a bounce back season from him. And then at fullback, you know, Pedro Poro had some flashes last season. Uh, you keep hearing a lot in this preseason about Destiny Udagi. Uh, I, I'm curious about those players and, and seeing if Tottenham have a good kind of refreshing season at that position. So and then Son as well, who had a down year. And we'll see if uh, I, I believe he will bounce back. But who knows? So you know, we'll see. Transition. That is that is the word of the season for Spurs that's how i view it
3: uh, let's just hear from the manager who i think is saying all the right things about the club and the fans
2: fans are, are, are usually the best judges because they're the most invested you know um experts and, and and people from the outside can have opinions but the ones that matter the most are the ones who, who you know are going to be there long after i'm gone and, and they've been here long before i came and um you know they'll they'll let me know how i'm going and Hopefully, they'll see a team that, that gives them belief and hope. Um, hopefully, they see a team that resonates with what they want to see in their football uh, sides, and that's what I'm try, going to try and bring. And uh, along with that, some success. Uh, what that looks like, tangible wise, uh, we'll see.
1: Yeah, he uh, he knows how to win an interview. That's he's, for sure. And he's look, got, if, it's, he's... if it's pandering, pander away, baby. I'm here for it.
3: Well. I I I think it is both pandering and he means it. Like I genuinely think he means it, and it's not just because I want a former Celtic manager to do well. I do, but I I very much like him.
1: So it's do impossible
3: I. not to like him?
1: I like and... his 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 personality, his principles of the game, um, and I kind of like you know you know I bought into Mourinho and Conte. I did. Um, I don't regret those decisions, but I do kind of, what have I always said to you? That it felt like when they were there, Tottenham fans, the club, like the sense was, you should feel lucky to have me. Oh, yeah. You know, I kind of yes. like not, you know, I kind of like that the manager is is so proud to be a part of this club. I don't know that I, you know, for whatever good feelings and good days there were with Mourinho and Conte, I don't know that I could have ever, that I ever really, truly felt that. no. Um, so, especially with Conte, who like just—I mean, I don't know. it was all, trying to organize how many exits. <laughs> Unbelievable, <laughs> incredible. Um, so, hopefully, uh, this 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 feels different, and I think every, I think Tottenham fans can feel that. But it's going to be rough. There's going to be some frustrating days, and yeah, and especially I, and in the I beginning.
3: Hope, and I hope Daniel Levy has the the courage after finally putting in a manager that that at least adheres to the principles we've been told about Tottenham since the '60s. After finally getting that done. After Plotch, just let him work. Yeah. Let him work. Please do that, Daniel Levy. Uh, Matty McGee, you think Arsenal comes into the season deflated or motivated after last season? I think they come in, Matty, absolutely
1: buzzing. Yeah, I, I, I feel what? really strongly in that in agreement on that.
3: Yeah, it was a fantastic season last season, however, it faded away. Particularly, it was interesting stats about their. Uh, goals conceded before Christmas, and then when 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 they resumed after Qatar, it was like zero point eight nine before before Christmas, and then it jumped up to one point one something. Like they 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 started um, conceding more uh, more chances, more opportunities, and and so look, they, that was disappointing. That's not what the, the end of the season was certainly not what they wanted. But they signed a Premier English midfielder in Declan Rice, bolstered defence with jury and Timber, um. Uh, they've been proactive they've been busy they've been i don't know on the front foot and i i think they're set up and certainly the modelling um suggests and even i was listening to gary neville um today gary neville thinks they'll, they they can win the premier league um he's tipped them to finish number 1 what, whatever you read into that it's i still think it's interesting that he said that i i think arsenal fans should be absolutely buzzing their club is in a position of relevance that it had slipped away from and that people like me thought um would be terminal. Now I'm still not sure that the money that's been injected into Newcastle won't mean that it's that it is terminal for some clubs including Liverpool. But for now, Arsenal are front and center. Um and and it's it, I think they should be buzzing. Why wouldn't you? And they're
1: they're, they're back they're back in the Champions League. Like there's you know how many Christ, fun absolutely. European nights they're they're about to experience. Like absolutely. I, I don't know if this if if um if Maddie McGee is an Arsenal fan and he's maybe I don't know if he's projecting some of his own fears from the way last season ended. Look, we talked at the end of last season. I think the they got tired. The Saliba injury was a turned out to seemingly be a fatal, a fatal blow. And Manchester City were they do they did what they do and like they're just this train that there's no stopping. Um, so nah, they they should be very excited. I mean, Declan Rice, like you mentioned, look, you Kai Havertz, they paid an awful lot for him. And you know, I'm no fan, but change of scenery, more importantly, change of position, change of position. Um, you know, that... if, if someone asked you tomorrow
3: because Jamie Carragher couldn't do it, if someone asked you tomorrow or today or whenever, what is Kai Havertz's actual, like, what is his position? Like, it's, it's very hard to put your finger on what and what it is. And I think he played such a specific kind of running role from midfield at Bayer Leverkusen. It was so kind of different to anything he was asked to do since that, um, that people are struggling to find a way to 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 kind of typecast him or to put him into a role. Yeah. Um, because he's not a great finisher. He's not an out and out and out striker. He's not a number. Is he a number 10? Probably a little bit. He's definitely not a central midfielder. You know,
1: I mean, he's so going to play. If, it looks like he's going to play on the left side in kind of like a hybrid winger, number eight sort of role. So. Okay. We'll see. I'm I'm look, I don't you ask what position he is. I don't know if I can give a definitive answer as to what position he is right now, but I think I can tell you what he isn't. And we just saw that the last few years at Chelsea. And Arsenal, I don't think, are gonna make that mistake. So I am at least I'm at least curious uh to see. And by the way, there was one other thing I wanted to mention here. Can I mention You're a player? Curious. Well can I mention a player that like I'm that. I'm weirdly excited about? Go on. Someone who I think has really flown under the radar in all this with Arsenal. Um J.J. Leandro Trussard was like viewed as like some sort of mudrick consolation prize. Like, okay, we didn't get the guy we wanted, so let's just let's just pay twenty one million for this guy and see what we can get out of him. Look at that now! In in a short stint with the club last season, after coming over in January and not being a regular starter, double digit assists for them. Mm. You know, now he's got a full season, and and all of a sudden you look at that twenty one million pound. price tag that that he cost and it's it's one of the great bargains of the last several years potentially at least for arsenal signees um so i i'm excited about that and then the obvious like bukayo saka is still he's only 21 still and like last season was a a leveling up season for him certainly he's he's on the radar now as one of the league's really really top-notch players and i think he could level up again and I think he could really insert his name into player of the year conversations, um, if he continues at the trajectory that he was going at. So, yeah, I think so too. They're going to have to navigate the Gabriel Jesus stuff. We'll see about the injury, um, but yeah, uh, you know, I, I don't know. To go back to circle all the way back and, and put a bow on it for the initial question, if if I'm an Arsenal fan, then I'm feeling I'm pumped as hell right now about this.
3: Um, just a quick one. Because we are so U.S. centered, uh, and there's been questions about the signing of Raya to the club. our um, blog wrote this little paragraph, and I thought it, it's just again we are we think Matt Turner's great, um or we've at least enjoyed his performances for the U.S. But another pair of eyes are interesting. Um, and this is what our says. The obvious benefit to Arsenal is that we now have real depth in a key position. I was always worried a bit about Matt Turner having to play for any prolonged period because of the drop off between him and Ramsdale, particularly mm-hmm. when it comes to having the ball at his feet. It wasn't his strength. He admitted as much, but it's so fundamental to how we play. It always puzzled me a bit why we signed a keeper for whom it was a bit of a challenge. If Ramsdale picks up an injury or a suspension, that gap isn't there anymore. And over the course of a season, when we're looking to achieve real success, it could be really useful. So like Arsenal fans, our I'm sure, isn't alone in this, saw a huge drop off in, in distribution terms and in passing terms between Ramsdale and Matt Turner. And 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 so Rhea comes in and, and solves that, um, which not great for matt turner not great for our view of him but it's it's an interesting perspective um from the from the arsenal corner uh john srr zero thoughts on the stricter time wasting rules debuted in community shield
1: Mm. yeah get Um, ready get ready for a lot of 2022 world cup-esque stoppage time figures
3: yeah huge huge finishes long finishes 10 minutes 12 minutes uh (laughs) Things know. like that. I'm not I mean, sure I yet it, how I
1: feel about this.
3: I, I think I know how I feel about it. I know how Rafa Varan feels about it. Well, I mean, yeah. I feel sorry for the players. Um, uh, it's, I think it's like basically, I, I think it comes from a place where it's more tinkering from people who think we need to return to a time when the ball was more in play. Um, so, so if you had listening-
1: to, I had the stat here, JJ. If you had to guess. The amount of time, on average, that the ball was at play last season fifty four minutes, fifty five. Yeah, right. Was that a, was that a straight up guess by you? Or no, you... no, no, no.
3: I've been, I've been. Uh, so I, I was listening to second captains today, who, 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 admittedly, did. They said themselves, we've probably done far too much time on this. This is quite niche, but if you know, if you're just a general uh, soccer fan, um, uh, so they had on a guy called Mark B. Thompson, who created this model across as much data as stats bomb could give him across leagues going back as far as he possibly could. And it's, there is no golden period where there was more time. And now we've suddenly lost it. The time wasting is this great, great curse. Um, and I'll, I'll link because I don't want to read the piece is quite dense. Um, I'll link the piece uh, and also the second cabinet podcast. If anyone wants to listen to that um, on Twitter on X, excuse me, on X and on Instagram. But um Mark finishes with this paragraph, and this is this is how I feel. Referees do not add on time for every stoppage. Never have done and never should. Football is a simple game. 22 players run around the pitch for 90 minutes, and in the end, only 54 of them were with the ball in play. Was ever thus. Now so my my thesis on this is before I tell you why I why I don't like it. I'll I'll give you one reason why I don't like the way it's going to change the game, and it will do that. I think it's going to be so much harder for the smaller sides, the little teams, to eke out and hold on to a 1-0 against a Liverpool or an Arsenal or a City if you're going to see 10 minutes on the board at 90 minutes. And they 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 are hell for leather defending. They're in two banks of four. It's, you know how it goes. And they're fighting for their lives. Free five more, even five more minutes of stretching it, to ask them for 10 or 11 to keep going, you are, this is advantageous to the bigger sides and that was a point that Mark made on the podcast as well, on the second captain's podcast and I feel that very, very strongly. I also think that like what we perceive in and I know like, Americans are going to roll their eyes at this because I know the sports you have are, apart from baseball, are so clock heavy. I don't care that it takes 30 seconds generally or 25 seconds for a kick out or that a free kick is stood over and the clock's not stopped. I don't care about that. That to me is part of the game. The game isn't stopping for me. The defenders are getting into position for the free kick. Things are being lined up. If a throw in takes a long time, I don't care. It's all part of the game for me and it's all accepted. And again, to go back to what De says, it's there was no magical time where we were, we were saving time and the game was different. It's it's just like there was no time when English when the violence in the game was a good thing. It's a bad thing. It's always been a bad thing. Um, so yeah, I I I, I've no, I I think this is going to be you're going to, it's it's not good for players generally, as mm-hmm. articulated by Rafa Varane in a long uh, Twitter post, and I think it's um. I don't think it benefits smaller sides. And if it benefits bigger sides who have more financial clout and more players, more talent, then that's no good either.
1: I think the thing for me, I just wish that there, it doesn't feel like there's a middle ground. Like we're, we're currently used to stoppage times of three or four minutes. Now we're going to be getting nine or 10. Yeah. What, what happened to like five, six or seven? Like couldn't uh, we like I, compromise here? But I think as well, Andrew,
3: you know, if there's a major break in play, not the little finicky things I'm talking about, like if the crowd keeps the ball behind, you know. If there's a major, major break in play, like there's a fourth official there who can easily tell the referee, listen, at the end, you're going to need to add on X amount. We right. already do 30 seconds per substitution, and you often
1: see that flouted. I do think the rules are there. So what they're doing now in the past, like you said, there's kind of been like the sort of like the rule is 30 seconds for a substitution. They're not doing that anymore. They're going to actually count out and time, post goal celebrations, substitutions that are made, um, all of these, all of these stoppages in play are going to be timed out. Um, I mean, I, I don't know if this will eliminate it. I think it'd be, I think they'd be just as well served if they think somebody's taking too long in a substitution, give them, show them a yellow. Oh, I think so often. Too. And, and like, I don't know that, it, I don't know that this will solve the problem. No, and there, and like the rhythms again. I talk about the rhythms of the game. There, there is a a rhythm to
3: a football match. You know why? Why? I, it, it's it's overreach. It's it's again people who think they need to fix the game, and it doesn't need to be fixed. And I guarantee, you, I can hear already in the distance a slew of emails and tweets from people who hate who maybe football isn't their first game, but they've come to it and they've come to it from a perspective of having. Clock-heavy sports, sports that are adhered to to the second. Football ain't that. It's never been that. Don't no, make it that.
1: No, but but I do think that I don't think people are wrong who view time wasting as one of the parts of the game they don't enjoy. I don't. I don't mind it. <laughs> I don't mind it, but that's not true. We've talked about it on the show it's before. An, it's, it's an it's an
3: art. I'm sure it's irritated me sometimes, but like generally. I, I like we, we've it. had
1: we've recently had lengthy conversations about when you're trailing by a goal in the 89th minute and a keeper grabs the ball and lies down on the ground, like perfectly within the rules, though. Like, yeah, in the know. rules, but like not fun, not again, a fun but, part but, but, of the but game. But also easy
3: for the referee to say. it. Easy for the referee to say before the game. Listen, if we're in this scenario, I'm give. I'm adding. I'm adding 30 seconds for every time you do that. You know, like
1: like the referee has this these powers he can do it well that is but that is what's going to happen now what know, you're saying is going to be the case
3: I, what i what i'm saying is we don't need a whole slew every little thing every little stoppage um like referees do not need to like again, again what mark thompson said referees do not add on time for every stoppage never have done and they never should every it should be at their discretion leave it to them
1: yeah i agree i think That's the things opinion. that are the things that are like i, I hope it's not going to be like are we going to get stoppage time for things as, as simple as a throw-in or setting oh. up a free kick like things like exactly. that? Uh, we don't we don't need that. If We don't need uh, that. I agree with you in the sense that like we know the things like if there's an extended injury, if a substitute yeah. is taking his sweet ass time to come off the field, if a goal celebration is go- is carrying on longer than what we're accustomed to, then yeah, sure, throw on another 2 minutes. That's fine. But to get figures up 9 10 11 12 extra minutes. I mean, give me 6 or 7 and I think the message is received. Um, I think that Agreed. this feels excessive, and and maybe in the end it may, it may not be nine, ten, eleven, twelve minutes. It might wind up being six, seven. We'll see. So I'm all not right. going to judge it until I see it in action. But I, I know watching that World Cup, some especially in the first half, JJ seeing oh like God. six minutes for the first half. It's like, Stop. Crazy. yeah, uh, yeah. All right, what do you got next? Andrew
3: Silverman, EPL back for more, not a question, but playing on repeat in my head. <laughs> Were you ever just released the full version?
1: Well, I'd have to find it.
3: I hope you didn't have it destroyed when we left ESPN Towers.
1: Uh, have it destroyed? I mean, it's not a physical thing. It's not like I can throw it in a bonfire and watch, if you watch the if embers you float into the atmosphere.
3: If you could have done the, um, the office space attack on the photocopier or the printer, if you could have done that, the fax machine, if you could have done that to... To the to EPL back for more, you would have done it. You yeah, despise it
1: I mean, I do despise it because the whole thing is so frustrating to me. Because you were supposed to be a part of it, and you, I, you rarely do you show cowardice, but the, in this instance, you did, and you left me out to dry. I embarrassed myself publicly in, in front of literally thousands of people, um, sure. and uh, and I've had to live with that. I, I will say I, I don't know that I'm gonna re-release it, but I do I'm pulling up right now while you were talking, JJ. I think I might have the lyrics here. Oh my God. Um EPL back for more. Last year was a little bore. Chelsea <laughs> double, Hazard's team, Jose Mourinho. QPR <laughs> QPR gets relegated, Burnley Hall eliminated, Leicester's safe, Newcastle stays, Sunderland also. Uh, should I, you want me to continue yeah, just give us a little bit more uh, by the way this is to the tune of we didn't start the fire right Billy Joel. Uh, Arsenal <laughs> Arsenal FA Cup Wojcik Chesney out of luck Aguero Man City by Wilford Boney was the guy um, let's see Man United top four Radamel shown the door Michael Carrick Di Maria <laughs> I don't even uh, Rob Van Persie goodbye Boy, this is this is taking me right back to standing in the studio in front of the microphone like an absolute fool singing this. Promoted teams feeling grand up into a new land. Bournemouth, Norwich, Watford on the big boy pitch. You want you you've got to stop. we (laughs) have got (laughs) to stop. I mean, (laughs) send me the lyrics. And I'll print nah, them, and we'll
3: put them online. That's all right.
1: We could. I wonder if I we could probably auction them off. I bet somebody would pay a lot of money to have the, just the lyrics.
3: Yeah, um, will. It's crazy to me. Liverpool didn't try for Adams after losing Fabinho and Henderson. The Adams we refer to, of course, is Adams the Tyler. Um, well, we don't know if they did, and we don't know if Leeds are 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 maybe hanging out for more money than Liverpool wanted to pay. Um we know that if you look at the skill set between Romeo Lavia and Tyler Adams, it's not it's not worlds apart, certainly. I looked at FB Ref today and there was, you know, in terms of the things they do, interceptions and blocks and things like that, there is there is, you know, they are similar in their in their approaches is younger, though. And Tyler Adams is a little bit older and has a fairly not great injury history, which may be keeping some clubs away from paying big money for him. Yeah, so,
1: he's 24. Yeah, uh, five
3: years older. Yeah, okay. He's
1: 24, but you're right. Five years older, but he would have, I don't know what Levy is going to cost, but. Well, Adams, I mean, Liverpool Adams are going probably to probably $45 cost like,
3: million. Have it rejected, then bid forty five plus a dollar. Like Liverpool are acting like when Arsenal (laughs) tried to buy Suarez. Remember that? Like the frustration levels are just through the roof. Just would you give them fifty five million or fifty million and be done? Well, that's the thing.
1: It's like in the end, let's let's pretend this is this winds up hitting fifty. Adams five years older, thirty million less. I'll be honest when I, I hadn't thought much about it when I saw that message, I kind of thought, yeah you know what not a bad not a bad idea
3: don't I don't hate it and i particularly i think back to how Adams played at anfield last season um so yeah, I don't hate it I, I maybe they did look at him um and maybe there was something they just they just didn't fancy and uh, maybe it was injuries I don't know um he marathon will the new rules rule changes be enforced specifically players, crowding refs and managers. So at the weekend in the community shield, Miguel Arteta got a yellow card after what, 15 minutes of the game. And the way that I've been hearing about the technical area um basically the new rules are going to govern the technical area and managers behavior and can't remember who said this but it, a lot of this comes down to the fact of of Mikel Arteta's behavior last season not Jurgen Klopp's <laughs> but Mikel Arteta's last season um and they felt something needed to be done and so now there are some some rules for the technical area um coming into the premier league
1: i'll be honest i know we had some reservations about the other rule change with stoppage time this one i got no problem with i'm good with this the 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 stuff with managers sure i like that the one i like the most is the, the days of surrounding the referee hopefully are over um, i'm reading from the mirror they write don't surround the referee make var signs complain in mass all directives that have barely been worth the paper they've been written on since the inaugural 92-93 Premier League season. Until now, referees can dish cards out like Christmas if crowded by irate players unhappy over a call, whether it be from the whistle or VAR. Uh, Dermot Gallagher has said he believes the regulation will lead to a spate of cards initially, but will mean, quote, short-term pain for long-term gain. I think it's great, because I think of it like this, JJ. Like, if you think of sports as a show, then what are the players? They're they're the main characters. They're the protagonists. And usually, for a show to be successful, the protagonist has to be likable. Watching a herd of players surround or bark at a referee for me is inherently unlikable. Except in in rare situations where something truly egregious has just happened. So if they're gonna tra- if they're making concerted efforts to take this out of the game, then I think it's I'm all for it because it's. You know, it's honestly, it's one of the things watching the Women's World Cup that I've found really refreshing. You don't see this. Like we talked about it when Trinity Rodman was fouled against Vietnam and what turned out to be a penalty. It wasn't called one on the spot. She just kind of shook her head in frustration and then ran back. There was no screaming at the referee. VAR will handle it. If something has happened that's egregious, VAR will handle it. You know, so you know college basketball i always say this too in the nba guys go ballistic screaming at refs cursing college basketball you don't see it it's one of the things i like about it if they can find if they can find a way to take this out of the premier league i'm all for it and if that means like a machine gun of yellow cards in the beginning for eight guys who are surrounding the referee in anger so be it yellow card for each and every one of them i'm fine with it
3: so the the managerial rules um so the new charter on participant behaviour is what it's is what they're calling it, um, and so the Premier League have said last season there was a significant increase in unacceptable behaviour towards match officials from players, managers, and coaches in the Premier League and in the EFL and the FA. It's out of control. So just for the technical area, you won't have you're not allowed to have two people standing at the edge of the technical area. That will only be one person, the manager. Good. Another part, another assistant or member of staff can stand, but they must be beside the dugout. So, the kind of conferences you saw between um, Eddie Howe and Tyndall, his assistant, and Miguel Arteta and his assistant, and Jurgen Klopp and whoever Pep Linders or whatever. That's not that's not going to happen on the edge of the box anymore. And you certainly you won't or they'll be hoping you won't see the confrontation that you saw between Djerbi and, and Stellani
1: and on the sideline. Um, so yeah, it's. um, And I, um, and I think, I think too, like, I know this didn't happen in the Premier League, but obviously, you know, in England, they're, they're aware of everything that's going on around Europe, you know, stuff like you know, Josie Mourinho, essentially, whether he meant to or not, almost inciting a riot at the airport, with Anthony Taylor and his family. Like yeah. it's we've gotten to a place where it has spiraled out of control. Like the the temperature of it all is too high. And so, so uh, me, if the Premier League are, are making a concerted effort to try to bring it down a little bit. I think it's I think it's the right move.
3: Let me just read the measures just quickly. So only one person can stand at the front of the technical area and coach during the match. Only one other person is allowed to stand, but they must remain close to the technical area seating, the dugout. All other occupants must remain seated. Coaching staff cannot use technology to challenge a decision made by match officials, meaning they can't bring the iPad over to the fourth official on the the side to complain about something. That must have been happening. Um, Coaching staff must remain within their own technical area during the match. They must not enter the pitch to confront any match official at halftime or full-time. That's that's, that's one that we've seen rampant where coaches have just come out and at the end of the game, the officials are standing in the center, center circle and they just get berated um occupants of the technical area who have been dismissed are not allowed to take a seat in the stand return to the field of play post-match or conduct any post-match media so so there we go andrew um i think i think i'm good with those Mm -hmm. Um, i'm with you uh, are villa or brighton legitimate contenders to break into the top four next season
1: i'm so glad this question was asked uh, from the last melon because uh, yeah. I was going to say, because if it wasn't, if something to this effect was not asked, I was going to say, JJ, we have to we have to force this into the pod. We have to talk well, about Brighton and Villa.
3: Yeah, we do. But I would say the answer is n- there are contenders to be in that rung below, I think. I don't think they are contenders well, to be in the top
1: four. No. So, uh, yeah, I guess it depends what you mean by contend. Like for Brighton, I'm going to say, yes, they can contend, but they're not going to reach it. Like, I think they could be a part of a a battle for it, but I don't think in the end, like, we'll do our predictions later. Spoiler alert, Brighton is not in my top four. Right. So, I mean, I just look at Brighton and, I mean, I'm of the belief that they're going to lose Caicedo. So when that happens, if that happens, they'll have lost Caicedo, McAllister, and Trossard in the last several months. And, And probably Levi Colwell, Colwell as well even though he, may, he wasn't a huge part but he started 13 games for them and, and they want him badly to be a part of their team this season. I
3: maybe I maybe Matoma worst case scenario.
1: I don't think Imagine. Gonna let that I don't think they're going to let that happen and I don't think Matoma is pushing for it. Maybe next year is a different story but I, I'm going to assume he's there. So like mm. for for a club that won't necessarily be able to replenish with other like ready-made step right in superstars, that's a lot. Like that's that's tough to handle all those losses. So the question you kind of ha- then have to ask yourself is if a team featuring Matoma, March, and Ciso Ferguson, Gross, Dunk, Veltman, Stupenyan, can that can they contend? I still say yes. Now if they had if Caicedo's there, if McAllister's there, then it, I might be willing to move contend into achieve. But I don't know. I mean they've added Jao Pedro, who they spent a, a decent amount on. Um, Mahmoud Dahoud from Borussia Dortmund, James Milner as well. None of those hurt, but I don't know if they necessarily change my opinion. And they're going to need some of the guys who were already really good last year to level up. Like Matoma was already really good last year. Can he? Can he work his way into Player of the Year conversation? It's not out of the realm of possibility. And if he does, maybe they got a shot. But right now, there's some big losses they took. Um, I, I still think really highly of them. I think they're a top five side, top six side, but top four, I think that's I think that's going to be a bridge too far.
3: Yeah. As for Villa, I'm fascinated. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, adding Keelemans, how Torres, Musa um, uh,
1: uh, uh, Diaby. I mean, JJ, to, to a 60, mil, sixty million euros for Diaby, Villa.
3: I know. I mean, if you ever want power of the Premier League, just look at it right there. Uh, I know
1: Tielemans was on a free from Leicester. But, but I mean, you know, I'm just Torres. Wonder- what was Torres? 35? I mean, they, you know, that's...
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm just wondering if... I mean, it is possible that what Emery did last season is the height of what Villa can achieve. It is That is possible. They may They may just have hit their ceiling.
1: Well, I think a good season for them, like, I don't know if top four, like, yes, be ambitious. And like, that's, that's fine to set as a goal. But if you're a Villa fan and you walk away this season with like, let's say upper mid table, like seven, somewhere seven, eight, but a deep conference league run, maybe even win it like that's awesome. Like I, I don't know that the, the barometer for what a successful season is with Villa is whether or not they were a part of the, the top four race. I don't know if that if they're quite there.
3: I think that the last their last great run in the Premier League under Martin O'Neill, where they finished, what was it, top six in, the, in in like two seasons in a row. That that all kind of fell apart when O'Neill said, Well, I want more money because I think this we can go and challenge the top four. So that's that's kind of being their traditional ceiling, um, apart from the early nineties when they were in a title race. So, um, so yeah, I I I would say they'll be. Allow me to use a proper man, a football man phrase: in oh, and around, yeah. <laughs> in and around. I love that one. You know, he's coming in and around the football club, or he's. Um, I think they'll be there or thereabouts. You know, just be vague enough to not be challenged on your opinion. So, um, I uh, mean, co-
1: they got a. It's a deep midfield. Boy, Douglas Luiz, McGinn, Buendia, Telemans, Bubakar Kamara, Jacob Ramsey. Mm-hmm. D, uh, Villa, they, that's a lot of depth up front. Ollie Watkins, 15 goals last season, 13 of them after Emery came on board. Um, I, I had a question for you before we move off this about Unai Emery. Yes. I made him, he won my Devonling for manager of the season. We all know what opinion was of him when he exited the Premier League the last time with Arsenal. Can you think, JJ, of other? I'm putting you on the spot, but can you think of other examples of a guy rewriting his narrative in this league, like Unai Emery? I have, I have one here.
3: Roy Hodgson, when he took when he came back from Europe, he took over at Blackburn and it was a disaster. Okay, and he came back then to England, rewrote the narrative with Fulham and Crystal Palace. The narrative got very badly tarnished at Liverpool, <laughs> but nevertheless. He he did it.
1: Um I think I think Moyes has done it. If you think about what the opinion was of him when he left United. And then he had like Real Sociedad, didn't really change opinion. Sunderland didn't change opinion of him. And yeah, then West Ham, he's like he's won his he's won the like high regard status again from people.
3: But he even changed opinion within two spells at West Ham. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. nobody wanted him back after the first one, even though he kept them up. Um, uh, Bobby Robson, to an extent, I think Bobby Robson, I mean, he went out on a high from the England job in 1990, and then he went into coaching abroad, and he, he went from PSV Eindhoven, Porto, Barcelona, and then he came back and, to Newcastle and brought them to the Champions League.
1: Maybe, maybe actually he was just a good manager all the way along. Um, I think Graham Potter's the next to do it. I think his name yeah. will be on this list. Yeah. In terms of it's players, good- I I don't know if you saw I saw Ross Barkley signed with Luton Town. Yeah. Maybe maybe weird. that's a place where he can do it. He was at
3: Nice. He swapped Nice for Luton. <laughs> Incredible move.
1: And I'll say this too: I know he's dealing with injuries right now. Boy, I'd be damn happy if Deli Ali adds his name to this list, also.
3: So we never got to discuss the the overlap he did with them. Um, Gary Neville, where he sat down and talked about his his life for over an hour and the things that led him, the things we never knew. Mm -hmm. And I got to say, I feel like just a bit of an ass. The way I talked about him. I I like I I mean, the obvious thing is, well, how could you possibly have known all the things that had happened to him Mm -hmm. Uh, growing up as a young person? The, uh, you know, the abuse, the, The. The. it's the, the his own issues with sleeping tablets um substance abuse which is something i am learning every day more and more about um and its prevalence across society why why wouldn't i have gone to that first of all why didn't i think of that um and i i i want a redemption arc for him because he seems like a genuinely nice person yeah and um yeah, but if you can, guys, free free content, the overlap, an hour with Deli Ali, and it, it it explains everything you've ever wanted to know about why he's ended up in this kind of footballing nether zone. Um he's injured now, but hopefully he gets back for Everton. And I mean he could be a real addition if he's if he, he says he feels great and focused. So his redemption arc could be could be really good. Yeah. Um Colin Krall. Has asked one of the great. This is one of my favorites, and I hope you've done something for it. Maybe not an eleven, but he's asked for Andy and Andy's people eleven.
1: Ask and you shall receive. Oh. so some of these are a reach. My only real rules here are that I'm not allowed. So Andy's people, over the years on this podcast, randomly, I so- suddenly certain players will pop up that I will just fall in love with. There's almost yeah. no rhyme or reason. None. Some of them are, are great. Others, it's just like, Randall's. I can't explain it. I'm just into them. Um, so my rules for it are, I, I'm not allowed to include Tottenham players. Obviously, I, those are all my people. Um, the U.S. players, I, same deal. Although some of them, some ran, like semi-random U.S. players I do include. Um, so... I did list. He wanted an 11 of my people. The formation yeah. is, is ridiculous. I, I don't have me, I came to find as I was conducting this exercise that I don't have many people who are goalkeepers or defenders. Um, so just for the sake of filling it out, kind of, uh, I, I put Matt Turner as my goalkeeper just cause I felt like I, I was in on him very early. So, I I will, I'll ride with, with him there defensively. Yeah. Um, Uh, Reese James is one of my people. I think I've said that before on the show. And then I haven't mentioned this one, but um, boy, Ethan Pinnock was such a delight on my fantasy team last year. I really enjoyed what he brought to team a gunling. And so he, he became one of my people, although we never really talked about that. The midfield is crowded. The midfield is crowded. JJ James Ward prowess is obviously there might even be the captain. Um, Alexis McAllister. I've been obsessed with for the last probably year or so um Jack Grealish I don't think you'll be surprised to hear that nope oh that that one was called out years ago I mean really a long time ago um yeah yeah Torre was probably one of one of the other original Andes people
3: oh you loved him Um, loved him
1: for the sake of of total fairness I don't ever want to hear people talk about my bias um I know I've said it before so I'm not going to hide from it now Martin Odegaard I I think I did list at one point as one of my people um ramsdale
3: was one of your people as well i don't he i put, don't
1: recall that i honestly don't remember saying that
3: i thought yeah maybe i thought you liked him from the documentary maybe he wasn't one oh of your people. yeah he's
1: oh yeah there were arsenal players in the documentary that i liked but i don't but it he didn't reach people status um up front charlie austin obviously co-captain oh, God, yeah m- maybe the original uh wilfrid zaha i loved him for years um and then the other u.s international that i included here. JJ, if you knew me like 15 years ago or so, I was obsessed with Eddie Johnson. Just yeah. loved him. Just absolutely loved him. One of my all-time favorite U.S. players. Um, so he would be one of my initial and US we had him th- on the pod. Uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. And I told him that because like the way I identify my people is like when I'm in career mode, when I used to do career mode in, in FIFA with Tottenham, like- who are the guys that I would sign that weren't actually on the team. Ward Prowse was one a number of years ago, Eddie Johnson. I always signed him and I got him on the cheap always. And then I my bench, I, uh, yeah. I mentioned Eze the other night as somebody on my watch list for this season to become a people he's there in uh, Hazard. Uh, I mean, I, he was like that's not a weird one That's like in the Yaya Torre category just love watching him play and then one weird one um, Yannick Belasi I don't know I had a weird moment oh you I, did love him I, I had a moment with him we had a fling and where he became one of my people so there you um, go I, I hope you I hope that helped and we'll see who gets added to the list you
3: mentioned Eddie Johnson I just want to do a quick quick bit of pod um, pod archiving he was perfectly fine but Eddie sounded like he had just rolled out of bed when he interviewed us He was, I won't say he was bad because he wasn't bad. I know the worst interview we had.
1: Why why are you even bringing this up?
3: Who's, come on, who, I want, because I want the fans to know. We can, we can speak freely now. Who's our worst interview? And I know you, you, you're thinking of the same person. Yeah, I
1: know. We've talked about this off air before.
3: Three, two, one. Breck Shea. Breck Shea.
1: But like, (laughs) but I don't know if that hold it against them. I think we were not good. If I went back, I would I could pro- I could easily critique myself, um, and like it it's not for a guy who doesn't know like I don't know I don't hold it against a guy like I, if you're not good then that's fine. like I don't know not everybody's cut out to do this they don't know us at all he didn't know us at all um, so I, what I don't hold it against him yeah and I don't know why just... you needed to air that that's not that's don't... mean you're a mean guy. But
3: <laughs> Okay, we'll leave Breck alone. Um, Mister Bucket's thirty-five. How long does it take to settle in to a new club? What's a marker of settling in? This is a great question because it's such a a trope. Well, oh, he hasn't settled in at the football club whatsoever.
1: <laughs> but there's the but it, it is it, true. It, it's a great question.
3: It is. You're right.
1: I think settling in is. Oh, he looks like he's playing well and enjoying it. <laughs> but here's the problem with it. There can't be an answer because like – so uh, here, I'll, I'll give you this. I saw an article. I, I Googled this after I saw the question. I tried to like put in keywords that would somehow get me something. So I saw this article from a couple years ago at playerforplayer.com. It was from Emil Heskey. And he was talking about when he went from Leicester City to Liverpool and how hard that transition was. Um, he said about Liverpool – that city could have been in another country or it could have been just down the road. It just wasn't home. And I found it difficult. Right. Uh, then they go on to write, it left him feeling anxious, lonely, and sad. He questioned his decision and tears were shed. Eventually, he settled and found a routine, friends, and familiarity in his new environment. But he regrets not talking to people about what he was experiencing earlier. Like, the problem is, like, we don't view athletes as people. They're robots programmed to play their sport and bring us enjoyment. But like, but that's not the case. So they're all going to be different. There can't be a real answer to this. Like For some guys, it's not hard. Maybe they speak the language already. Maybe they know someone on the team already. Maybe the manager knows them and wanted them, has a plan for them. Maybe they're an extrovert and just make friends quickly and easily. And then other guys are going to be the opposite of all those things, and it's going to be harder for them. So like, I don't know if there can be a set answer. Some guys will, will show up right away. Erling Holland showed up right away at Man City. Hit the ground running. It was fantastic. Other guys, that doesn't happen, but they come good eventually when they, when, like you say, they settle in. I don't know. I can't put a, I guess what I'm saying is I can't put a, a definitive time frame on it because every guy is going to be different. But I will say what I said the other night about Anthony, that it's kind of for this reason that I don't know. I'm not always comfortable judging a guy in his first year with a team. Year two, I think it becomes fair game. But year one, if a guy takes longer, I'm I'm not gonna write him off as a bust after year one. That's I, just me. I
3: often I often think of Diego Forlan, who just never settled at United, never hit the ground running, um, apart from a great cameo at Anfield. And then he goes on to have this stellar career where he just can't stop scoring. <laughs> it's just sometimes a place doesn't fit and it doesn't work out. And like you said, it's like that person who moved to Portland, Oregon. Your friend that moved to Portland, Oregon, and the job was perfect, but everything else was wrong.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Just didn't fit in there, and they end up moving back home. That's, like you said, they're people. Uh, also, best Premier League turf. Um, that's a tough one for me because so many pitches are so good, but I like how imperfect the city ground is. I love the city ground by the middle of winter, and the sidelines are slightly muddy. And there's clear delineation between uh, grass and muck. It's, it's a good, it's a good surface in the winter. I like, what? I don't want a perfect surface when you hit March. No, thanks. Huh, I this, isn't, a, this
1: is not like you. I thought you, you'd be someone who would really respect the groundskeepers that, that kept the ground pristine through those months. I'm surprised no, to hear you talk like this. I don't
3: want uniformity. I want the idea like back in the, back in the nineties, if you went to Highbury, you knew the surface was great because they had undersoiled heating. But you go to the Riverside Stadium, it's going to be dug up. I like that variation. It's like when you go to Wrigley Field, if the ball goes out underneath the ivy, you're in trouble. You know, it doesn't, I don't want uniformity. I, I was going to it.
1: say, you're probably a big Soldier Field guy. When that, that field by a December is, the Soldier Field by December is brown. You probably, yeah. you like that. I do like that. Yeah. Good.
3: Mm-hmm. Um. I obviously don't want it dangerous but I think a lot of surfaces now uh, are dangerous in a different way. Um they're so hard and they're 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 so um I I you know they're so quick and they're so fast. Um whereas there's something to be said for the older less perfect field. Uh, uh Wasif Eli, JJ's thoughts on how Liverpool will do after a not so great transfer window. So so we Was it was it a not so great transfer window? No, I you see we don't know yet. Um I mean it's 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 a two parter really. The early business, you loved it. You loved those early those early bits of business. Um getting McAllister done early, fantastic. Um big fan of that. Shabbos Lai as well, getting him in, getting very good stuff. Then what happened was the carpet was pulled from underneath Jurgen Klopp. He did not want to give up two senior central midfielders in, in one summer. It was going to be more of a gradual, slow burn rebuild, and now he has to rebuild the whole thing in three months. That's not what they wanted, and now you're in a mad chase to try and get La um, Lavia. Although, I mean, how mad a chase is it with the with the? I've heard Chelsea now have entered the chat, mm. um, and they're going to try and uh, gum Liverpool on this. So, I think circumstances changed it for Liverpool, but we don't know uh, what Sabres like McAllister how that's going to work out. Um, I don't. I can't evaluate it yet. It's, it's. We don't know yet. All I know is I'd like us to get another midfielder in. That would be great.
1: So I'm looking um, at Sky Sports right now, JJ. I just pulled it up. It's midnight. Uh, the headline, top story: Chelsea make 48 million pound bid for Southampton midfielder Lavia.
3: I mean, now they're trolling us.
1: <laughs> what,
3: what? What's with 48? Go to 50.
1: Jesus, I don't understand it it's all part of the dance yeah maybe it is maybe it is um but so now that means though liverpool will have to get to 50
3: which which they should be at already
1: i mean it's very strange see now i've written off caicedo i said oh he'll be at chelsea i don't this stuff is gonna have to i'm gonna have to reconsider
3: We. i mean this is going to and we have to let this play out. So, yeah. massive. I can't can't tell you whether it's been a good window yet or a not-so-great one. Um, objective simple from Reddit. I'm waiting for the 10-minute deep dive on the Roy Keane United third kit promo video in <laughs> the next pod. I know JJ will want to troll it, saying it's like an old Liverpool kit, but deep down he has to be happy seeing Roy Keane again. Well, Roy Keane, as everybody knows, is something of a hero of mine. Not something. Is a hero of mine, despite... Having played for Manchester United, which is one of the great battles of my life, the great yeah. dualities in my soul. Um, I'm not trolling you by saying it. Loads of people have said it. The shirt, if you took off the devil, and you slapped a Liverpool crest on it, looks like a cream Liverpool kit. It's not a. It's not a United away kit. Like, why do they have to try and reinvent the wheel with this kit? Um, Adidas issued a remake of the. Um, the away blue kit that they wore from 87 to like 1990 in the summer. And it's just fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. Why not do a remake of that one? Do something like that. with a creamy, creamy round collared one is not, that's not Manchester United. So yeah, I'm sorry. It, it, it does look like an old Liverpool kit. It really does. Um, am I happy to see Roy Keane again? Did I think I'd see him working at Old Trafford in this manner, acting as the devil? after everything that happened after everything that was said I guess he didn't have to work directly with Sir Alex Ferguson so that made it more palatable and I'm sure Adidas gave him a ton of money for it but um, let's have a listen to Roy King the devil um, United's very moody third kit promo video What do you get in return? What's on offer? Manchester United! So there it is. No small print. Sign on a dotted line. But you already signed. Didn't you? Did you like that, Andrew? Did you feel menaced by it? Did you yeah, think it was good? It's,
1: op- it's fine.
3: It's okay. It's fine. It's, um... He's not an actor, obviously. Uh, <laughs> and he's probably better when he's just being Roy Keane as opposed to Roy the Devil. It's it's all right. I I I don't know. Um, yeah, everyone got very excited. They prom they teased it very well on United socials. The idea of him back at Old Trafford, like acting in that way, though, is kind of cool, though. You know.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Being in a
3: long estrangement from from the club.
1: Yeah, I think it's a nice thing if they're if they're kind of both like reopening their arms to each other. I think that I think that's good.
3: I think that is good. Um. Sergio in Denver, it's not EPL related, but can you do that thing where you scroll through your recent Spotify plays so we know what you are listening to as the season begins? So, um, are you ready?
1: No, well, I, I don't have a Spotify. I don't, I'm not on Spotify. Uh, of course it, you're not. It, it's Jesus. 1985. I'm I'm operating with CDs. And, no, I, I just, I I still use like Pandora. I've been on the head and the heart Pandora channel. I enjoy that. There's a lot of, a lot of my speed on there. All right, uh, um, I'll, I'll
3: give you my on. So Spotify, do your on repeat. So the tracks that you love right now. So number one for me is my own "Summer Shove It" by Deftones. Second is "Always Your Way" by My Vitriol. Third, "Wake Me When It's Over" by Long Wave. Uh, fourth, "Animal" by Pearl Jam. Hmm. Fifth, "Change in the House of Flies" Deftones. Uh, Cypress Hill, when the when the S goes down, as Andrew would say, uh, everyone's a winner by flight. We've got some McMiller there, we've got some Suicide Boys, Kendrick Lamar, Bones, um, Del Water Gap, Juice Worlds, Lincoln Park, ASAP Rocky, and um, Mogwai. So there you go. Yeah, there you go. Nice, um, very nice. I think it's eclectic. I like to think of myself as eclectic. And finally, oh no, that's it because we already said, um, "Congratulations to Newman." I,
1: I have was I have one. I have one. Have I've more just on the mailbag. Yeah, I've I've just been scanning the Reddit thread. Um, oh boy! And uh, no, no, no. I, I like this one uh, from uh, Tom Brokaw's a punk. He asks if I told you. Neither Holland, Salah, nor Kane would lead the Prem in league goals this coming season. Who would you guess did it? That's an interesting question. Um, I don't know. That, that's tough. I guess Rashford would come to mind for me.
3: Yeah. Um, can pick up from last season. Ollie um, Watkins.
1: I mean, do you give like a Darwin Nunez a shot? We know how much he's around the action. If if he figures out the finishing, you know, can Sun like if Kane goes to Bayern and Ange is going to play this attacking style with Tottenham, I think. I mean, we've seen Sun win a Co Golden Boot. There's no reason that you don't know, wouldn't think he could do it again. I think he'd be in there. Anyone at Newcastle? I don't know that I would say Callum Wilson or Isak.
3: If he, I mean, if he's the record sign-in isn't it time for esEC to burst through and be like a regular goal scorer for them i guess I guess you'd have to include him Andrew um well, Evan, I Ferguson, Evan Ferguson at Brentford
1: hmm,
3: boy that would be quite an achievement for an eighteen year old it would be but he was the top scoring teenager in all competitions in England last year
1: anyone top else flight. i mean anyone else at city is it kind of Holland and then just like too many it, other guys with like Spread
3: the goals around yeah yeah
1: Anyone else at United? Does Bruno have a shot? Is it kind I mean, of re- what about if? What about it at uh, Arsenal?
3: What about a well? Jesus is injured.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you're about, right. He he would be him or. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if there's anyone that I would say from that's going to score the the volume we're talking about. I feel like we've hit on on most of the right ones. Hmm. Mitrovic at Fulham
3: would do it. But, in, so but again, inter- interesting volumes in case of numbers. Anyway, that was uh, that was the mailbag. And now we get to the part where we look like fools in a few months time.
1: Ah, so there you go. Great mailbag. I mean, just great stuff. There's so many more. I'm just I'm scanning through the, the Reddit thread. The animals are are alive and well. I know,
3: but they, I know they got it a bit late, though, in fairness to them.
1: <laughs> Newman explained that. Well, I guess uh, JJ is unforgiving. I'll, I'll
3: tell I will forgive, we'll, but I do not forget.
1: I'll, we'll, we'll go ahead. We'll take a break. We'll come back on the other side. We got our predictions. It's time, time to lay it out on the table for all the world to see. More Caught Offside still to come.
2: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: Oh, back now on Caught Offside. So we're, we're at the end now of, of the previews. And it's prediction time. We never run from these. Like I said, none of this will be forgotten. As we do every year, um, somewhere around mid-season, we'll kind of revisit them. And then at the end of the season, we'll revisit them again. So we will not allow you to forget. For however smart or dumb we come off looking, um, we will not allow you to forget. Here we go. Predictions. Bottom three. Let we'll me go. Start with that. You want to go first?
3: Um, Everton, Sheffield United,
1: Lutontown. We have the same three. We both we both think this is the year for Everton where it finally happens.
3: I mean, they've been dancing with the devil for so long. What is their third season? I mean, they just, they don't look like they've got better. Like you said, Moises, um, excuse me, Dice's results were patchy. They'd stayed up again by the skin of their teeth. I,
1: and it's almost, it's, it's almost to the point now, JJ, where they've sucked the surprise out of it. Like the last yeah. last couple seasons, you know, you've kind of had this feeling of like that that can't happen to Everton. They're one of those clubs that they, they it won't happen to Everton. Now, like after a couple years of watching this, would I mean honestly, would anyone be surprised? Like truly surprised? To look at that squad, just no.
3: Unless Dice has done absolutely unbelievable work in preseason, I um. They're there for me, and we we yes. On yesterday's pod part one, we went to the reasons why Sheffield United and Luton Town will be there. Um, just something. This is the feel of a relegation group in like nineteen ninety three or something. I I know Luton Town <laughs> weren't in the league in ninety three, but like it just feels that way. Luton Town, Sheffield United, Everton,
1: the Blades, Sorry. JJ, the Blades. How are you going to do that to them? Can you stop doing that? Oh, so only you can do that impression. It's not fair.
3: Yours does not... I don't know what accent is coming out of your mouth. It sounds whatever,
1: exactly like your impression. Whatever's in your brain that comes to your mouth is not the same. Um. All right, manager of the year prediction. Uh, I'll uh, go first. Go ahead. For, it, it's the same as my Devonling for manager of the year this past season. I went Unai Emery. I think yeah, I think Villa I... will will be good again. I,
3: I'm going with the soup du jour, the, (laughs) the man of the moment. Uh, I'm going to say Roberto de Gerbi. I think he'll continue to wow us and, uh, wow people. Uh, And eventually he's going to get a big job. No disrespect to, to Brighton. um, He shall be plucked away from them.
1: Golden boot.
3: Um, I'm going for Harry Kane because I believe he will still be in England motivated Harry Kane in an yeah. in, in attacking Spurs side. Um, if he can score that volume of goals in a bad Spurs team, I believe he can do it in what will be a better one under Ange Postacoglu. So, uh, Harry Kane.
1: That is a bold pick. Mm-hmm. I mean, for a guy so heavily linked to leaving, that's... I don't
3: that's... think he's going, man.
1: All right. We'll see. Uh, I went... Very creative and outside the box. I went Erling Holland. Oh, I just want to be right. I just want to okay. be right, JJ. I care about that. Um, player of the year.
3: I've gone. He was London player of the year last year. So he was the best player from any of the teams in London. He was voted that. It was Martin Odegaard. Wow. And if I believe Arsenal are going to be strong again, he has to have another big season. And I think it might be him.
1: Uh I went JJ with the I I mean, look, usually I feel like this is won by a guy who's on the winning team in the league, Um, but I didn't want to go Holland. So I went with Jack Grealish. I just think it's his time. I think we've seen he had the betting in period. Then last year it was the oh, he's figured it out. And now run free. Now Jack Grealish, he knows the system. He's a vet there now. He's deep into his prime. I think there's going to be a real connection with him in Holland. Uh, I think it's I think it's his time. Grealish, fantastic. All right, um, top four in order. I uh,
3: I just want to say before we get off Grealish, I've set some targets for this season. Getting him on the pod is one of my targets.
1: Wow. Oh, yeah. I mean.
3: I just think we'd have fun, and he and and I got laughed at by someone. I won't say who it was, but the contempt with which they treated me with—I said he's interv- his interviews are interesting to me. The things he says, because he's candid, are interesting to me. And this person who works in football scoffed. A laugh would have been okay. A chuckle, a scoff is what I got from them. What, like, what for? Because they think Pers- like. For saying oh they think he's not he's we were like oh yeah sure like they thought i was i was kidding
1: huh i don't know i, I didn't... i've always enjoyed him i would love yeah. that i would okay, relish well, that opportunity
3: i'll figure it out somehow oh, god have i set myself a
1: task okay <sighs> um all right top 4 in order I, i'm going to i'll go first here fourth i have manchester united third I have Arsenal oh. second, I have Liverpool, oh. and first I have Manchester City. Interessante. I will begin
3: <laughs> I will begin in fourth and, and I I I will say this, I am not sure how this'll work out because it could be it's gonna be well for me it's gonna be Manchester United fourth, Liverpool third, Arsenal second. Manchester City first now that is very much going with what the modeling is saying and
1: oh the Opta analysis
3: yeah I'm really into them so I'm, I'm so hot for them right now I mean we almost um,
1: have the same four we've just swapped Arsenal and Liverpool
3: yeah and I think United could could finish third as well but I'm, I'm just going to stick with Liverpool just pipping them to that and then I just did a little thing behind them I see Chelsea like I think Chelsea could push United and Liverpool all the way for top four Tottenham will be better. And then I think Newcastle and Aston Villa, I'm just going to be kind of competing as well for that fourth spot. I see a lot trying to nip in there, but I think it's going to be United, Liverpool, Arsenal, City.
1: So we're at the end here. And you just mentioned a team that we actually have not really spent a whole lot of time with. And I do think that we'll get to them very soon. I, I think we've got to say something about Newcastle because you and I both agree. Neither of us have them in our top 4. They've qualified for Champions League so they're going to be playing Champions League football this season. Obviously all that money um but you and I both view them as taking a step back this season. I find that interesting.
3: I I'm not sure if they've done enough this summer. I think they needed to do more. I, I think they needed to not just consolidate. I think they needed to get better. And I don't think they've got that much better. The people who watch much more of Tenali than I have are not convinced that he's that that kind of midfielder that's going to, you know, dramatically improve Newcastle. It's yet to be seen. So I, I'm just not sure about them. I think under Eddie Howe they might be entering a bit of a kind of a holding pattern. Um, and and like we certainly because of. I suppose PIF has been distracted. They've been putting their funds into something a little bit different, as we've seen this (laughs) summer, including a deal with Fox to broadcast the Saudi Arabian League here in the United States. So um, Saudi Arabia has been focusing on something else.
1: Well, it's interesting. I mean, you say that, but like they have spent. I just don't know that they've spent on players that dramatically change my opinion of them like yeah i don't I, think I,
3: harvey barnes changes me right
1: he's know? he was 40 million 39 million pounds harvey barnes uh sandra Tanali, 55 million tino Livramento from southampton 32 million i mean this is a this is a, a good chunk of money for some of these guys who are all good and and definitely add depth and tonali is more than a depth signing um but they're but, not. They're not the. But what I mean is, like, they're not the upper grade. They've not been competing for the. In like, you're on about
3: thirty million there, or whatever. Like, that's 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 jump change compared to what you're looking at for like the top end players, Andrew. I mean, yeah, I, just, I know. United just sp- spent what seventy million on on Highland, you know, an unproven striker from from Syria. I'm just, you know, they're not. That's not. Newcastle fans were definitely thinking that they would be competing for. Not Harvey Barnes, but what the Declan Rice is of this world. And they're not yet. And like I said, I'm not I'm not convinced that those signings change my opinion of them that much. So
1: I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I I if they put it this way, if they do it again, if they have another season like last season, then I, I would tell you right now, I, I will my manager of the year, I'll change it to Eddie Howe. Because I'd be I would just I just don't look at that squad when I see some of the other squads around them and think that they're they're right there competing with those teams. I don't think they're good enough. And if they do, a lot of credit is going to have to be given to him.
3: You know, and they're going to have more games next year, like this season coming, like dramatically more. Yep. So I don't know. I I, I don't I don't see it. Yeah. I think they fall out of their. I think they fall out of their lofty position of fourth.
1: I'm uh, with you personally yeah i agree i agree well there you go there you go the season previews are in the book they're done you have our predictions if you
3: you are a newcastle fan you don't think we've talked enough about them there's a whole season to come so you know get off my cubes man
1: no one no one's saying anything don't worry all right hold on hold on um so it all begins this weekend can't wait friday technically uh is when it gets underway burnley manchester city how about that vincent company Taking on his his former club right out of the gate, Turf Moor, um, and then you got a whole weekend where it's all it's all just going to come flooding back. You are going to have to navigate some Women's World Cup early in the morning, um, Saturday. So you, England and Columbia play at six thirty a.m., and then Arsenal and Nottingham Forest are seven thirty a.m. So that the timing of that England game is is interesting. I wonder what how will fans in England navigate that? I mean, I guess you can just kind of like the timing of it might be right where you, that game will wrap up around like halftime of the Arsenal game. Uh, so might actually work out nicely. Um, some of the games that just stick out to me this weekend, Newcastle and Villa are Saturday at 1230. Um, that's uh that could be a really fun one. Um, Chelsea and Liverpool, of course, that's your, your glamour fixture, 1130 on Sunday. Can't um, wait, man. And then Manchester United fans are gonna have to wait till Monday when, uh, when they'll host Wolves at old trafford um so yeah but yeah chelsea liverpool what a way to start the season for both of those teams Oof. two teams that are looking for bounce back years and and one of them is going to be feeling not so great perhaps and we've got an
3: american derby with two of the former american teams everton and fulham mm-hmm. right next yeah
1: game. yeah so there you go jj this was fun i love these preview pods so much i hope everybody out there has enjoyed them as well feel free get on reddit send us your comments um and how you guys are all feeling as the season begins some of your predictions some of your thoughts and we'll we'll continue to read those out in the uh, the early weeks of the season then a few weeks from now jj it'll be right back to our jump to conclusions week where we'll take away some early conclusions from the first three or four weeks of the season we'll see see where we're at this was a blast this was so much fun congrats again to newman uh jj i got nothing left to you i say
3: Speak you later fun boy
1: i'll see you good night You've been listening to the Caught
2: Offside Soccer Podcast.